Anyone need a Bible? I don't want you to take my words for it today. All right, we're going to have a lot of application, but the uh, important thing is what God says in His Word. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Part two of using God's Word. This is part two. If you missed part one, uh, if it's not on the internet already, it will be very soon. But God has been very gracious to us and he gives us various means of grace. One of the, the, the most precious is His Word, the Bible, the Scriptures. And so we've been, uh, last week we talked about the first two methods of Bible intake. We talked about listening to God's Word. We talked about reading God's Word. So today we'll look at a few more methods of Bible intake. And the first one I want to address is mentioned here in Psalm 119. The third method of Bible intake is memorization. Memorization. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Some people have a hard time with this. And they say, well, why, why would I bother memorizing the Bible? Why should I bother memorizing the Bible? You know, people, we, we, we love making excuses. Uh, I, you know, I've heard, hey, I'm too old, you know, you can't teach, a, you know, old dog new tricks and, you know, all kinds of excuses. Or my memory's horrible or so forth. Well, if you're looking for any reason, look what Psalm 119 verse 11 says. <laughs> Do you care about this? Do you care about God at all? Do you want to sin against God or would you rather not sin against God? I hope your desire is that you don't want to sin against God. Well, God says one of his means of grace in your life is his word. You've got to hide it in your heart. You say, well, well, how do I do that? I don't have this compartment. And besides, I mean, my heart is actually smaller than this big Bible. How am I supposed to get it in there? That's kind of, it doesn't fit. That would hurt if I tried to do that. No, it's not that kind of a hide, okay? Hide just means you store it up. That's literally what the word means. You're storing it up. By the way, you, you know heart in the Bible is not the organ in your body that's pumping the blood throughout your whole system. All right, that's not, that's not what it's talking about. You're storing this up, especially in your mind. One of the reasons we sin so much is because we don't memorize the Bible very much. Some of you may not even be memorizing it at all. So we need to store up the Word of God in our minds so that when temptation does come, we actually have something there for God to use. Memorizing Scripture does far more than just keep us from sin, by the way. God's Word helps us to grow in every area of our Christian lives. Every area of our Christian lives. Remember what Jesus says in John 17? It's, he says, sanctify them. As he's, as he's praying his high, priest, high priestly prayer there in John 17, he, he says, sanctify them, his disciples, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God uses his word to set you apart from sin unto himself. That's what it means to be sanctified. That's not just keeping us from sin, but it's helped us to grow in every area. You, oh, I know, some of, some of us have a hard time being convinced why we should do this. 
Well, listen to this charter. I think it was written by an African. Uh, it's, it's a bit anonymous to me, so I'm not sure. But anyway, listen to this various charter that was written that I really enjoy. I've written this in my Bible. It says, this book, it's talking about the Bible, contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrine is holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here heaven is opened and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good, its design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, health to the soul, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you here in this life and will be opened at the judgment and is established forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and condemn all who trifle with its contents. End quote. So, you might be asking at this point, well, I'm busy. How am I supposed to memorize? How can I possibly memorize verses out of the Bible? You might feel like you're just too busy. There's just no way you could do it. I understand that. I understand what it's like to be busy. But even at the most busiest times of my life, I've still been able to try to memorize some Scripture. I'm not very good at it. Let me give you some helpful suggestions that we do in our family and that I've done personally. Uh, last couple of years, we've been memorizing Scripture before we actually eat dinner. Uh, we're not uh, getting through as many as I would like to, but at least, you know, got, we're, we've got a, I've got a stack of these, these cards that I keep in a little plastic box on the table, and we're just slowly working our way, and we've, we've been able to memorize some as a family. Uh, maybe you can make it a part of your family devotions. If you have a family, make it a part of that time to uh, try to memorize some scripture. Or if you're homeschooling, make God's word a priority to memorize scripture. Or maybe before you go to sleep at night, have something on your nightstand. Uh, there's just figure out well what 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 am I going to memorize and put put some little verses on some cards or something on your nightstand as you go to sleep. Be, be thinking about that as you go off to sleep. Uh, one thing I used to, to do, and, a, and I highly recommend you do this, is you, you can put up various verse cards, just plaster them all over the place. You know, when you go to work, wherever you work, put them up at work, put them on the dashboard of your car, put them on the mirror in your bathroom. Uh, you know, wherever you go, if you have that scripture and if you're, if you, you're making the point to look at it, read it, try to memorize it and meditate upon it, God will use that word in your life. And by the way, you say, well, hey, I'm not very good at memorizing. Even if you never get it memorized, in the process of trying to memorize it, you're actually meditating on Scripture. You're actually obeying God in the process, even if you never get it memorized. Well, the fourth method of Bible intake is studying. 
God expects us to study His Word, not just to listen to it, not just to read it, not just to memorize it, but He also wants us to study. I like what Jerry Bridges said. He said that reading gives us breath, but studying gives us depth. That's what he said. He says the the value of Bible study lies in the opportunity to dig more deeply into a passage or topic than we can do in Bible reading, end quote. And that's so true. That's so true. Yes, you need the breath. You need the whole counsel of God, but you also need to dig deep. Every Christian, I firmly believe, should be a student of the Bible. Now, I want to show you a passage in Hebrews chapter 5. Turn over there, please, to Hebrews chapter 5. Have your Bibles ready. We've got various scriptures to turn to today. In Hebrews chapter 5, I want to show you this passage that's right here in, in, in the Bible that shows some of these Hebrew Christians. They were being rebuked by the Holy Spirit here. And they were being rebuked because these people should have been able to teach other people the Bible. But they weren't able to. They weren't able to teach other people the Bible because they themselves had no depth. So instead, they themselves, as as we're going to look at here, they, they themselves actually needed to be taught the simple truths of God's Word. They were spiritual babies, if you will, And a spiritual baby can't teach another spiritual baby. Needs someone who's mature in the Lord. So look at this passage here, Hebrews 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Verse 14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So you understand the warning here? Again, these... These were people who should have been mature, and they're being rebuked for not being mature. They're still spiritual babies, sucking on the baby bottle, right? All they, all they got is milk coming to them. Not able to eat a piece of steak, solid food. So what's the solution? What's the solution? Well, if you, if you notice in verse 14, you've got to constantly be trained. It takes practice. It takes working out the spiritual muscles, so to speak. you got to get in the spiritual gym and work up those muscles so that you can be able to distinguish good from evil. And you got to stay in it. you got to constantly stay in it. you got to dig deep. Let me ask you, are you like those Christians? These were Christians. These were believers. They were in the faith. They're just babies. So let me encourage you, if you are in that category there, like whoever this author is of Hebrews is talking about here, well then, 
there is hope for you. You can change. You don't have to stay a spiritual baby. You can grow up to be mature. And the Bible gives us its method of Bible study, and it's actually found in the wisdom literature of your Bible. So turn, turn in your Bibles over to Psalm, not, sorry, not Psalm, Proverbs. <laughs> sorry, Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. <clears throat> you say, well, how do I actually study God's Word? How do I dig in and, and, and get this depth that I need in my life so I can be mature? So I can actually have discernment and tell the difference between good and evil. Well, I want you to look what Proverbs chapter 2 says. We'll just let Scripture speak for itself here. But as, as I read, I want you to take note of the verbs. Take note of the verbs, and, and you say, well, hey, I'm grammatically challenged. What's a verb? All right. A, a verb is, there's, there's more than one kind of verb. There's being verbs and there's action verbs. Being verbs are, there's a state of being, and then there's action verbs that, that are doing something. Okay? So look for those as we study, or sorry, as we read here in Proverbs 2, because these will help you to know how to study God's Word. The whole context here is talking about the value of wisdom. The value of wisdom. Let's, let's start reading in verse 1. Proverbs 2, verse 1. <clears throat> My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Let's just stop there. Okay, did you take note of the verbs? Did you take note of the verbs? No, I can't remember. Did I put them up there? Are they on the next slide? No, I didn't put them up there. Sorry. All right, so <clears throat> let me just highlight them for you. Verse 1. Receive. Notice it says, If you receive my words, treasure, Verse 1, again, it says, treasure up my commandments. Verse 2, making, you got to make your ear attentive to wisdom. Again, in verse 2, it's the word inclining. you got to incline your heart to understanding. There's a lot of action words going on here. And then in verse 3, we got call, the word call. You're calling out for insight. The next one there is you're raising your voice for understanding. Just another way of saying calling out. In verse 4, you're, you're, you're seeking for understanding. You're searching for understanding. A lot of action words there. This, this isn't passive. Okay? In other words, God's saying, if you want wisdom, you've got to dig. You've got to work. It's going to take some effort on your part. You actually have to study. You've got to put some brain sweat into this. Okay? Yes, it, it, it's going to be hopeless without God's enabling, of course. But you can't, there's no, <clears throat> I've told you this before, your brain doesn't have a USB port like your computer does. You just can't stick, you just can't stick a, a something there and, and expect all this wonderful truth from God to get in there. 
God expects you to, to, to listen, to read, to memorize, and to study His Word. Verse 5 gives us the results if you actually do what the first four verses tell you to do. Look at the result in verse 5. If you do this, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If you just think about verse 5 there for a moment, is, is there anything more precious than that? I can't think of anything better than, than understanding the fear of the Lord and finding the knowledge of God. That is the greatest. Nothing better than that. And if you actually believe that, then you're going to do what the first four verses are recommending you do. Because that is the way God tells you to get it. That's how you get wisdom. And you say, well, where, where can I find the time for quality Bible study? I mean, I already listen to God's Word. I, I try to read God's Word. And if I'm supposed to memorize God's Word, how in the world am I supposed to dig into God's Word to have this quality time actually studying? And my answer to you, my friend, is this. You, you always find the time to do what's important to you. You do. Whatever is important to you, you're going to make the time to do it, right? When you're thirsty, do you just ignore it? No. When you're thirsty, you get a drink. When you're hungry, you eat. Right? When you get tired, you sleep. Whatever is important to you, you do it. So here's the thing. You've got to make this important. God wants it to be important to you. The issue is, is it important to you? So... You need to be committed to studying. You've got to do whatever it takes. Let me tell you about someone who is a hero of mine. Who uh, He illustrates the commitment of Bible study so well. I'll just read it to you. This is from Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets. I'm quoting from the book here. Here's what the book says. It, is, it was not easy for Mr. Taylor in his changeful life to make time for prayer and Bible study but he knew that it was vital. Well do the writers remember traveling with him month after month in northern China by cart and wheelbarrow with the poorest of inns at night, often with only one large room for coolies and travelers alike. They would screen off a corner for their father and another for themselves with curtains of some sort. And then, after sleep at last had brought a measure of quiet, they would hear a match struck and see the flicker of candlelight, which told that Mr. Taylor, however weary, was poring over the little Bible. From 2 to 4 a.m. was the time he usually gave to Bible study and prayer, the time he could be most sure of being undisturbed to wait upon God. End quote. Fortunately, most of us, are not going to have to wake up at 2 in the morning to read and study and pray. Uh, we're, we're more blessed than, than he was. right? But it was so important to him, he was going to do whatever it took. Do you feel that way? Is it, is it that important to you? It should be. should be. Is your relationship with God, is your love for God so great that you will do anything? After all, the greatest command is to love God 
with our entire beings, our minds, our strength, our soul. And if, if that really is the case, and you're going to do whatever it takes to study His Word. So let me give you some, uh, just a few rules for effective Bible study. As you seek to study the Word of God, let me just help you out here, okay? Uh, some of these you may already know, some of you may not. Number one, as you read and, and you study the Bible, you need to take every word on its primary literal meaning. Unless, of course, the context clearly indicates otherwise. Sometimes the context will show you uh, otherwise, especially in the poetry section of your Bible. So you need to remember God means what He says. He says what He means. And I, I love this, this, uh, this sentence that I learned a long, long time ago. Not original with me, but it says, When the plain sense makes common sense, seek no other sense, or it all becomes nonsense. Right? So you just read, if you read the Bible like you read, you know, your car manual or the dishwasher manual or the refrigerator manual, you, know, you just read it for the literal sense that it says, it'll help you to understand the Bible. And number two, as you study, <clears throat> it is helpful to, to, uh, to be kinesthetic. In other words, mark your Bibles. Uh, I've been learning uh, various ways people learn. It's helpful to know that, especially when you're homeschooling. People learn different ways. There are some people who are audio learners. There are some people who are visual learners. And many people are kinesthetic. They like to combine all these things. They're touchy-feely kind of people. Some people learn the best when you, when you actually give them something to hold in their hands. And they can touch it and work with it. Okay? If you're that kind of a person, you need, you need to mark your Bibles. Alright? If you're an audio learner, then this, this may not work for you. Okay? But if you're, if you're a visual kinesthetic learner, marking your Bible will help you. Okay? So, you can do things like underline uh, verses, key verses, underline... Uh, you can circle words, you can make squares around words, you can join words together with little lines. There's all sorts of things you can do. If you don't, if you don't know how to mark your Bibles, I'll be happy to show you some examples from my own Bibles. Uh, maybe you might have right in the margins of your Bible. If you can do that, just mark it up. Use it. All right. By the way, let me just tell you that not all pens are suitable for marking in your Bibles. All right, I just use a plain old cheap Bic uh, fine-tipped pen. But some, some will actually bleed and spread and go on to the next page, and those don't use those. All right? uh, if you're not uh, familiar with Kay Arthur's series, she actually teaches you how to mark your Bibles. It's called an inductive Bible study. teaches you how to get in there and, and do various things. Number three, Scripture always interprets Scripture. Scripture always interprets Scripture. It's its own best commentary. So if you come to some obscure passage and you're saying, well, I'm not sure if I understand this passage, well, look up the cross-references. Okay, A lot of Bibles have cross-references. If not, I suggest you get one. Or uh, you can use, uh, there's various tools that are helpful. Treasury of Scripture Knowledge is a great tool. It goes through the whole Bible. It gives you cross-references. Look up those cross-references, because Scripture is its own best commentary. It'll help you understand the, the passages that aren't so clear. 
And then number four, as you're, you're reading, you're studying the Word of God, you've you got to resolve to obey it. Resolve to obey. Number five, treat the Bible as, as a personal letter from God to you. Treat it as, as that. Because God, He loves you. He knows you. His Word's always relevant for you. So He wants you to, to know Him. And then number six, when you can't understand a verse or a passage, what you don't want to do is give up. All right? You don't give up. I mean, I've been reading the Bible now for over 30 years, okay? For over 30 years, and I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Okay, there's stuff that I've read. I, I, I couldn't, there's probably stuff I've read over 100 times, and, and sometimes after reading it 100 times, I just finally get it. All right? I've got a thick, a thick head. All right? Hopefully yours is better than mine. But uh, you're probably going to find that to be the case. Just don't give up. You keep asking for God's grace, and the Spirit will be the teacher of His Word. And if, and if you want to know something, by all means, go talk to other believers. That's the beauty of, of biblical fellowship. One of those core activities of the local church is fellowship. And so we can, we can come and talk to one another. And as we do that, as we come to the Word of God, we can help each other. But let me just say, beware of the Internet. Beware of the Internet. Okay, Don't let that be your standard when you when you got a question about the Bible. Whoa, that is so dangerous. And it, it scares me as your pastor when I hear people going to the Internet to try to find answers for the Bible. All right, Just beware. There's a lot of things that are wrong on the Internet. There's a lot of great things there too, but just, just beware. Okay, And the fifth method of Bible intake is meditation meditation and by the way i'm not talking about new age meditation okay <laughs> let me just explain here right we're not talking about you know sitting on the floor with your legs crossed and your fingers crossed and having incense you know coming up your nostrils with a ring of candles around you and then try to sit there and hum and think about nothing all right that is not biblical meditation all right so what whatever the new age people try to teach all right, that, just erase that out of your mind, because God says you don't, you're not to think about nothing. You're actually supposed to think about His Word, think about Him. All right, God expects us to meditate upon Him and His Word. So what we're doing as we do this is, we're, think of it this way: you're giving your brain a bath. Think of it that way: you're giving your brain a bath. Just picture that image of of cutting the top of your head off, taking that off pulling out your brain and washing it in some clean water. All right? If that, if that imagery helps you, that's kind of like what you're doing when you're meditating on God's Word. We're washing it in the purifying solution of God's Word. Look at Psalm chapter 1. Turn over to Psalm chapter 1. We, we see that imagery in Scripture in several places. Let's just look at a few here, okay? Psalm chapter 1, which is the gateway to the entire Psalter, the introduction to the book of Psalms. Let's see what it has to say. Psalm 1, look at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
And on his law he meditates day and night. And verse 3 gives us the results of meditating on God's word constantly. That's the idea of day and night. You don't just do it whenever your quiet time with God is. Meditation should be going on continually throughout the day. Look at the result in verse 3. You will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So, verse 3 gives us some good results here, doesn't it? You will prosper. Now, that doesn't... Okay, hold on here. This is not a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Okay? God is not saying, you know, hey, if I meditate on His Word, then I'm going to be you know, the next Bill Gates. Uh, By the way, if you don't know who Bill Gates was, he was the one who kind of started Microsoft. Uh, I noticed in the paper last week, uh, because my father's getting the newspaper, I noticed he's he's now back to the number one spot, the richest man in the world. He's worth something like, I don't know, 70 to 80 billion dollars. That's not what God's Word is saying. It's not, it's not saying, you know, if, hey, if I meditate on God's Word, then I'm never going to have any health issues. I'll never get cancer or whatever. You know, it's not, it's not saying you're going to be the smartest person or, or even near the smartest person in the world. You're not going to be a genius. You're not going to have a high IQ. That's not what it's saying. This is spiritual prosperity. You're going to be healthy spiritually. That's the imagery of the tree there, the tree who has, who has leaves. And it's bearing fruit as a healthy tree. God says you'll be like that. But what does it take? What does it take? It takes meditation. And you say, well, what is meditation? The word meditate literally means to murmur or to mutter. Now, this is not talking about somebody who is insane. All right. We, we have this, this man who's obviously got some mental issues, walks around our neighborhood. In fact, he was just heard by someone in my family yesterday who was yelling. And as this family member walked around the corner, he thought, he thought there was going to be this fight between him and somebody else. And come to find out, he's, he was actually having this big argument with himself. Nobody else there. He's just talking to himself. All right, that's not what it's talking about here. The idea is, is that there is, there is this aspect of talking to yourself, but it's, it's not being schizophrenic. It's not being weird. And so when we meditate on God's Word, we talk to ourselves about God's Word. If you need to do that out loud, by all means, do so. But the idea is you're, you're more so just doing it quietly to yourself. You're turning over in your mind the meaning of God's Word, the implications of God's Word, and how, how am I going to apply God's Word to my own life? Okay, you're, you're constantly going over this stuff. To me, the easy illustration is a cow. Right? I hope you know cows have more than one stomach. Right? You, you ever notice, watch, watch cows, right? When they're eating the grass, you'll see them throughout the day, 
what they do is, you know, the grass goes down into their first stomach, and sometime in the day they'll regurgitate that, chew over it a little bit more and swallow it again. Then they regurgitate it again and chew on it some more and swallow it again, and eventually it gets its way through the whole system. Think of meditating on God's Word as like the cow chewing its cud. It, it's, it's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's a process throughout the day. That's what God expects of us. Let me give you another example. In Joshua 1, verse 8, it says that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Again, notice, it talks about... Again, it's, it's not just a one-time thing. It's constant. It's day and night that you're to be meditating, mummering, muttering, going over it in your mind. And you've got to come with the, the expectancy that what I see in God's Word, I'm going to obey. He says you're going to do according to all that is written in it. And if you do that, God says you'll be spiritually blessed. I like what Martin Lloyd-Jones says in his book on spiritual depression, coming from Psalm 42. He gives some helpful advice. Listen to what he says. I quote, he says, uh, uh, well, he talks about learning to preach to yourself rather than listen to yourself. He says this, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. And here's what Psalm 42 says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He asked. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. And Psalm 42, verse 5 says, Hope in God. Hope in God. End quote. I found that advice very helpful. That's what the psalmist did. And so when you find yourself discouraged, and by the way, let me just, as Jim Berg says, we all are good at meditating. You all meditate on something. The question is, what is the content of your meditation? Is it the right content or the wrong content? If it's the wrong content, you end up sinning against God. You become one of these fretful, worry, feared people. Fearful people. You'll become ultimately depressed. God says you've got to meditate on the right content, which is hope in God. So, memorizing the Bible, that gets the Bible into our minds. Meditation on the Bible is going to open up your understanding. It's going to engage your affections. It's going to address your will. But did you notice that both of the passages we just read together, they speak of meditation happening both day and night. Day and night. It, that doesn't mean you stay up all night. That's not the point. But if, when it's when you're awake. It's not something you just do during your quiet time, not just something when you're reading your Bible, but it's something you're doing all of the time. 
So walking with God involves communion with God. It's a relationship. Like all healthy relationships, it involves communication. You need to be talking. The other person needs to be talking to you. Getting to know one another, understanding each other's minds and hearts. So the Bible is absolutely necessary to our communion with God. This this is how God speaks to you. It's how He communes with you. Pleasing God requires knowing His will, the Bible says. And you say, well, how do we know God's will? How do we know God's will? Well, the Bible is the only means that God uses to communicate His will to us. There's some obvious ones in Scripture where the Bible just says, for this is the will of God. I'm thinking of the one in 1 Thessalonians. This is the will of God, your sanctification. (laughs) So sanctification is clearly God's will. There's other ones. God uses His Word to communicate His will to you. It's impossible, really, to please and glorify God without a constant, consistent, balanced intake of the Bible. It's impossible. So with that, I want to close with this wonderful testimony of a man who's been greatly used, a man who's brought glory to God. And I hope God has used this man, despite the fact he's now going to be with the Lord, I hope he's used this man in your own life. And I'm referring to a great man of prayer and faith, and his name was George Mueller. He lived from 1805 to 1898. And he was well known for establishing orphanages in England. He was a man who joyfully depended on God for all of his needs. All of his needs. And it's interesting how he kindled joy and faith in his life. In 1841, he made a life-changing discovery, and if you've never read his autobiography, it's it's a wonderful read. In his autobiography, he gives his testimony of how uh, he made this life-changing discovery and how God's grace uh, taught him this wonderful truth I want to share with you. So I'm, I'm reading and quoting here. Look what it says. It says this, I quote, The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted, I might seek to benefit believers, might seek to relieve the distressed. I might in other ways seek to behave myself as it becomes a child of God in this world, and yet not be happy in the Lord. And not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day, all this might not be attended to in a right spirit. Before this time, my practice had been, at least for ten years previously, as a habitual thing, to give myself to prayer. After having dressed in the morning, now I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and the meditation on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and that thus, while meditating, my heart might be brought into experimental communion with the Lord. I began, therefore, to meditate on the New Testament from the beginning 
early in the morning. The first thing I did after having asked a few words, uh, or asked in a few words the Lord's blessing upon His precious Word, was to begin to meditate on the Word of God, searching, as it were, in every verse to get blessing out of it, not for the sake of the public ministry of the Word, not for the sake or preaching on uh, uh, which I had meditate upon, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. The result I have found to be almost invariably this, that after a very few minutes, my soul has been led to confession and to thanksgiving or to intercession or to supplication, so that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer, but to meditation, yet it turned almost immediately more or less into prayer. The difference between my former practice and my present one is this. Formerly, when I rose, I began to pray as soon as possible, and generally spent all my time till breakfast in prayer, or or almost all the time. At all quiet times, I almost invariably began with prayer. But what was the result? I often spent a quarter of an hour, or half an hour, or even an hour on my knees before being conscious to myself of having derived comfort, encouragement, or humbling of soul, etc. And often, after having suffered much from wandering of mind for the first ten minutes, or a quarter of an hour, or even half an hour, I only then began really to pray. I scarcely ever suffer now in this way, for my heart being nourished by the truth, I speak to my Father and to my friend about the things He has brought before me in His precious Word. The first thing the child of God has to do morning by morning is to obtain food for his inner man. Now what is the food for the inner man? Not prayer, but the Word of God. Not the simple reading of the Word of God so that it only passes through our minds, but considering what we read, pondering over it, and applying it to our hearts. End quote. I bother to read all that because I have found that extremely helpful. I understand the wandering of the mind he was talking about when it comes to prayer time. Uh, You might be tempted that way just as I often am. So easy. I attempt to pray and, and never really get to what I intended to do because of my sinful flesh. Frustrating, but that's just, that's me. And so I, I found this helpful from uh, the autobiography of George Mueller. I hope you find it helpful. So let my suggestion, it's only a suggestion. Only a suggestion. As you, as you come to God's Word, yeah, by all means, pray. But try this. Like any healthy relationship where communion is, is going on and, and communications going on. It's not just a one-way street. Come to God's Word striving to recognize, okay, Christianity is a relationship. Strive to commune with God. Communicate with Him. He wants to talk to you, and you're able to talk to Him because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You have one mediator between God and man, and it's the man, Christ Jesus. So as you pray, recognizing you you can't even pray without Jesus, first of all. Without His work, His person, 
And so as you, as you come to His Word, also recognize you need Jesus as well. So let me encourage you. If you're struggling in this relationship with God, find some help. All right? Find some help. None of us are sufficient in and of ourselves. Number one, you need the Holy Spirit. You need God's enabling His grace to, to even, even want to do this. Seek some help from other believers. Maybe if you're really struggling in this, find someone to hold you accountable. Your spouse, a friend. I'm willing to do so if you, if you want me to. But make your relationship with God the most important thing. God, One of God's primary means of grace in your life is His Word. So use it. Use it wisely.